Judges 21. We have the ruins of the tribe of Benjamin rebuilt by lawless means. Here now the reading of God's inspired word. Judges 21, starting at verse 1. Now the men of Israel had sworn in Mizpah, saying, There shall not any of us give his daughter unto Benjamin to wife. And the people came to the house of God, and abode there till even before God, and lifted up their voices and wept sore, and said, O Lord God of Israel, why is this come to pass in Israel, that there should be today one tribe lacking in Israel? And it came to pass on the morrow that the people rose early and built there an altar and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the children of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel that came not up with the congregation unto the Lord? For, there had made a gr for they had made a great oath concerning him that came not up to the Lord to Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. And the children of Israel repented them for Benjamin their brother and said, There is one tribe cut off from Israel this day. How shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them of our daughters to wives? And they said, What one is there of the tribes of Israel that came not up to Mizpah to the Lord? And behold, there came not to the camp from Jabesh-Gilead to the assembly. For the people were numbered, and behold, there were none of the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead there. And the congregation sent thither twelve thousand men of the valiantest, and commanded them, saying, Go and smite the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead with the edge of the sword, with the women and the children. And this is the thing that ye shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman that hath lain by man. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead four hundred young virgins that had known no man by lying with any male, and they brought them unto the camp to Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. And the whole congregation sent some to speak to the children of Benjamin that were in the rock Remon, and to call peaceably unto them. And Benjamin came again at that time, and they gave them wives, which they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh-Gilead, and yet so they sufficed them not. And the people repented them for Benjamin, because that the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. Then the elders of the congregation said, How shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? And they said, There must be an inheritance for them that be escaped of Benjamin, that a tribe be not destroyed out of Israel. Howbeit, we may not give them wives of our daughters, for the children of Israel have sworn, saying, Cursed be he that giveth a wife to Benjamin. Then they said, Behold, there is a feast of the Lord in Shiloh yearly, in a place which is in the north side of Bethel, on the east side of the highway that goeth up from Bethel to Shechem, and on the south of Lebona. 
Therefore they commanded the children of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in wait in the vineyards, and see. And behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance in dances, then come, you, come ye out of the vineyards and catch you, every man his wife of the daughters of Shiloh, and go to the land of Benjamin. And it shall be, when their fathers or their brethren come unto us to complain, that we will say unto them, Be favorable unto them for our sakes, because we reserve not to each man his wife in the war. For ye did not give unto them at this time that ye should be guilty. And the children of Benjamin did so, and took them wives according to their number of them that danced, whom they caught. And they went and returned unto their inheritance, and repaired the cities, and dwelt in them. And the children of Israel departed thence at that time, every man to his tribe and to his family. And they went out from thence, every man to his inheritance. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Thus far the reading of God's holy word from Judges chapter 21. Verses 1 through 6, we have Israel lamenting for their swearing not to give their daughters to Benjamin and the subsequent ruin of that tribe since they would have none to marry. Now you'll note here as we talked about this morning, there is a strand in this passage of lawlessness and wickedness. What was the point of swearing that nobody would give their daughters to Benjamin? What really did that accomplish? Was there any good that you could conceive coming out of this? No, it's the anti-Benjamin campaign. Everybody's got their blood up. We hate Benjamin. That's all they want. And so here they say, we're not even giving our daughters to them. They're seeking to cut off an entire tribe. Why? Because of the sin of the men of one place, and then it's covered by the elders of that tribe? Is that why you're going to destroy them entirely? So they lift up their voices and they wept sore, verse 2 tells us. After the fury of their passion has subsided, their minds begin to grasp the severity of their rashness and evil. This is often the case. People have regret after they throw themselves into their lust. Then they realize, oh, I have ruined myself. So Israel has realized we've ruined an entire tribe. But notice, do they blame themselves? They don't. Verse 3. Why has this come to pass in Israel that there should be today one tribe lacking in Israel? You know, it's possible they could have looked into the mirror and said, look, there's the reason why there's a tribe lacking in Israel, us. We're the problem. But what do they say? Do they examine themselves? Did you not demolish a whole tribe with your 400,000 men and now you want to know why it happened? Why is it that I've ruined myself and my life? Well, they don't say that, do they? What happened? We can't figure it out. This is a mystery, God. Please show us, Lord. Didn't they burn their cities with fire? Didn't they vow not to give their daughters to that tribe and now they want to know why? This is why it says... Every man did what was right in his own eyes. 
their ways were genuinely, sincerely godly, so far as they could tell. Did they measure themselves by God's yardstick in Scripture? No, they measured themselves by their own intentions, perhaps. We were just doing justice, and so it is. We are generally blind to our own faults. This is a problem we all have. It's easy to find faults in other people. Oh, they're so obvious. But our own faults, they're not that clear. It's, it's a little more complicated. You see, I have my narrative that I have to keep that I'm a good person, or we're a good people, as Israel thinks. Certainly, we didn't do anything to destroy these people. What happened? We don't know. Let us not be such a blinded people. Let us learn to confess and to forsake our sins, to be our own accusers first, rather than justifying ourselves and doing what is right in our own eyes. Note that they had made a great oath concerning him that came not up to the Lord to Mizpah, saying, he shall surely be put to death. Do you know what the rule of warfare was? You remember from Deuteronomy? What happens if you go out to war and somebody says, well, I'm cowardly, I don't want to do this. Do you put them to death? You send them home, that's it, go home. We don't want to be here with you. You're going to dishearten the rest of us. You don't believe in this cause. You're not ready to die for it. We don't want you here. That's not what they do. They take up a great oath. You gotta be on our side. We're gonna kill you. Blind zeal. They do not have the wisdom the compassion and the mercy that God says you should. So let them go. They don't want to come. Don't make them come. There is, they say in verse 6, they repent for their brother Benjamin, and they say there is one tribe cut off from Israel this day. In the Hebrew, this is passive. That means it's something that was done to this tribe Benjamin. We don't know who did it. Somebody did it. Notice what they should have said. We cut off this tribe of Benjamin. God, forgive us for our blind zeal. No, they don't even frame the events properly. I don't know how this happened. Do you remember Aaron with the golden calf? I took the earrings and I threw them into the fire and poof, out popped this calf. I don't know how this happened. It just kind of happened. What did I do? I don't know. That's not how we should frame events where we sin. We must learn to confess them, and that starts with thinking properly about them, not being inebriated with our own self-righteousness, with our own lust and our desire to justify, I want what I want, so I'll frame it how I think makes me look the best. If we have done things, how can we be forgiven? By seeking shelter in Passive phrases? Oh, it just happened. No. If I did something, I have to frame it that way. I did this. Please forgive me. That's how we seek for forgiveness. It's called confession. It's part of repentance. Then verses 7 through 15, we have their provision. Again, lawless provision to rebuild the ruins of Benjamin. First by the virgins of Jabesh-Gilead who were destroyed for not sending their forces to the war against Benjamin. None of the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead came up to this assembly. 
Their blind zeal continues to make them foolish in the decisions and wicked in the actions. Go and smite the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead with the edge of the sword. With who else? The women and the children? You're going to seriously kill all the women and children because their men didn't come up? Blinded by rage and military zeal, thumping their chests, rah, 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 sisk, boom, bah, where's the compassion, where's the justice, where's the mercy, where's God's law? Totally absent. Let them be, God says, if they don't want to come to the war, we would not have them fight with us. And all they can find are 400 young women that had not known a man by lying with him. Only 400 spared out of an entire city. They killed two birds with their one lawless stone. They did not consult the law of God. They did not ask the priests with the Urim and the Thummim. They move forward with what is right in their own eyes. They add the crime of murder, destruction of property in their blind zeal with kidnapping, man-stealing to all the lists of their errors. And this is how they repent. Remember, they're repenting for the bad that they did to Benjamin by doing what? Murder, destruction of property, stealing these girls. There's no consent given for these girls to marry. Oh, well, we'll just take them. Yeah, it'll be all right. It's good. We'll backfill for our, ba- our last evil that we did by some new evils that we do. And this is what happens when we justify ourselves, when we don't confess our sins. It just goes from bad to worse. Then come the daughters of Shiloh, verses 16 through 25. <laughs> they swore, we're not going to give our daughters to them. Cursed be he that giveth the wife to Benjamin again. What's the point? Why take the oath? What if she is willing to consent to a marriage? Isn't that required? Now they're going to say, well, that doesn't matter. She doesn't have to consent to a marriage. We're just going to force this. You go and lie in wait like you fight against adversaries. It's the same word. When Israel in chapter 20 was lying in wait against Gilead or against uh, the inhabitants of the tribe of Benjamin, when they were waiting for them, lying in wait... That's the same word that's used here. Go lie and wait for these women. No. They don't consult God. Lie and wait with hostile purpose as soldiers approaching their enemies in battle. The same verb is used in 2029 of this book. Their rash oath leads to more and more sins. Their wrath And vengeance against Benjamin leads to more and more covering for themselves. Verse 21, they say, Catch you every man his wife of the daughters of Shiloh. The word means to seize, to arrest, as catching a prey or stealing a person. They commanded them to commit a capital offense known as man-stealing. If someone takes another man's daughter... Without the consent of the father, that is man-stealing. It is a capital offense in the Bible, punishable with death, and it should be so still. It's a massive violation of the fifth commandment, and yet what do they tell them to do? Go commit a capital crime, we'll cover for you. 
When they come to complain lawfully and justly about our misdeeds, we'll just tell them, forget about it. Remember our oath? You don't want to sin, do you? By breaking your oath, do you? See how hypocritical they are? You think their oath meant anything to God when they told him they were going to violate his law and now they're going to tell people to go and commit capital crimes? You think God was pleased with this oath? They command a capital offense as part of their repentance for their rash and blind zeal. Do you see how they see themselves? Victims. We have been wronged. And now, because we're victims, what happens to our moral responsibility? Well, you can toss that out the window. If all this bad stuff just happens, oh well, I guess we have to do this. What are we left with? We don't want the tribe to go away, so let's be wicked and lawless, because after all, we're victims. Everything's necessary. We have to do this. Now, it is to their commendation that at least they didn't command polygamy. Catch you every man his wife of the daughters of Shiloh. That's to their credit. Because after all, if you have how many men? 600 left? You could say, well, you can each have three wives. But did they say that? Each one of you have one. Get his wife. Just one. Singular. So at least there's something to commend. But the taking of women by violence and force without their consent without the consent of their fathers, this is lawless and wicked. And do we see ourselves in this passage, or is that them? You see, if we see the Bible correctly, if we read it properly, that's us. Here's me justifying my sin. Then here's me getting a worse sin, and then justifying that one, and then getting a worse sin that I commit, and then justifying that one until before you know it, here I am, chewed, swallowed, and digested, committing capital crimes. Oh, I'd never do that. Really? You wouldn't? I wouldn't? No, this is us. This is who we are. And when we feed our self-righteous narrative and see ourselves as victims and say, well, I don't have responsibility to do what God commands because it's not right in my eyes, this is the sort of thing we'll do and worse. And praise to God that he will send a redeemer. You know, this prepares us for the next book. What's the next book? Ruth. What happens in Ruth? Obed. Jesse, David, and the son of David through him. God is sending a what? A king. Because there's no king in Israel, and every man's doing what's right in his own eyes. God will send order. God will send salvation. God will send a king who will rule in righteousness. God is preparing them, how? By showing them their depravity, their wickedness, their lawlessness, and do we see ourselves here justifying our wicked deeds, seeing ourselves as victims? If we do, we're not prepared for Christ. We're not prepared for the king to come and save us. We're prepared to burn in hell by exalting ourselves and going further down this road. Let us then repent of doing what is right in our own eyes let us repent of seeing ourselves as victims. Remember their passives. Oh, how'd this happen? We don't know. Well, the tribe's been destroyed. We don't know what happened. 
So let's go do some more evil to make up for it. Let us not see ourselves as victims. Let us properly frame matters when we do wrong, confess the wrong. Let us not weigh the sins we commit upon our circumstances instead of upon our consciences. And let us walk in God's ways, confessing our sins. Verse 22, when their fathers or their brethren come unto us to complain, well, what are they complaining about? Well, we told them to go and steal your daughters and your sisters. Sound good? It doesn't sound very good, does it? They come to complain about this. What are you doing? God's law, the law of nature, requires her consent and the consent of her father. And what are you doing? Violating the law of nature, violating the fifth commandment, they have a right to complain. Now notice their little legalistic cover-up. For ye did not give unto them at this time that ye should be guilty. You see, you followed your oath. You didn't give consent that they marry. You see, we're good, we're clear. We've got it. Yeah, yeah, we commanded a capital crime, but at least we didn't violate our oath. See, they're very punctilious about making sure nobody violated the oath not to give their daughters to these Benjamites. Yep, we're godly people. We kept our little agreement we had. You didn't have to consent. You didn't have to go in on this contract. Let us learn not to backfill for our sins. That's what they're doing. They're sinking deeper and deeper into their lawlessness and self-justification, and now they want to bring up their oath. Well, see, you'd sin if you gave your daughter to one of these Benjamites. See how wicked that is? So let's do this over here, and you just shut up and stop complaining. Wicked. And then, at the end of this whole ordeal, what do they do? All done, guys. Pack up. Go home. Wash your hands. Everything's clean. Everything's right. Go back to business as usual. Any sense of humiliation for their sins? Of the lawless way that they've engaged in? Of the capital crimes they commanded people to do? Of the stealing of women? And then people complain, and what do you do? Eh, shut up. At least you didn't sin by breaking your vow. That's what they're going to tell them. Let us learn not to backfill or cover for our sins. Let us learn to confess our sins. This is how we get the book of Judges. This is why they come under foreign captivity. This is how Christians come under the chastening hand of God when we don't learn to confess our sins but to cover for them. Our work here is done. Everybody go home. And notice God's assessment. Does God think they did well? No. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did, did that which was right in his own eyes. I don't need a scripture standard. I don't need God to show me the light. I can do as I please, because after all, I'm approved in my own eyes. What I'm doing here is right in my eyes. There's nobody here to punish me, to restrain my evil. They had no king, no anointed, no Messiah, no one to consider the good of the people, to temper the justice that they administered with some kind of mercy or common sense. We're not going to destroy a tribe over these guys, but they did. 
and then they blame some other force out there. They needed a king. They needed a Messiah. They needed a savior. And so do we. Thus far, the exposition of the book of Judges and Judges chapter 21.